Welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of The School Run. Today we are joined by Tracy Marsden, our friend, mum of three boys, wife, daughter and sister. And her title is Lancashire and South Cumbria Reproductive Trauma Service Manager. Wow. (laughs) Tracy, that's a long title. It is a long title. It's a long title for a big job. <laughs> oh, big job! Tell us more, please. Please. It's a big job. It, do you know, it, it does what it says in the tin. So, Lancashire and South Cumbria cover the whole of that area. Reproductive trauma service. So, the NHS long-term plan talk about maternity outreach clinics, which then became maternal mental health services. And Lancashire and South Cumbria have got their very own maternal mental health service for women who are suffering from moderate, severe, complex mental health difficulties in relation to the maternity or neonatal experience, and that's regarding birth trauma, loss, so that includes stillbirth, miscarriage, termination, reproductive health, and tocophobia, which is fear of childbirth. So yeah, it's an incredibly much-needed service. I feel very proud and privileged to be able to head up that and manage that service with an incredible team. It's incredible. Yeah. And these are jobs that you, or careers or roles that you just don't learn about at school. And I would never know that that role, even me as a 44 year old, that that role existed, that service, that it's incredible, isn't it? It is incredible. It's just, um, you think about women that are going through that, that journey, a journey of pregnancy or babies died, um, you know, or they've had a really traumatic birth. And you need, you, you know, have your mental health been impacted? And often for some women in that period of time, so from conception, baby being conceived right through to baby being two years old, a woman's mental health can deteriorate really, really quickly because of the hormonal imbalance. And so... To be able to provide a service to meet the needs of those women is just brilliant. You know, so much needed. So we went live on the 28th of March last year and up to last week we'd had 449 referrals into the service. So you can just see the level of need across Lancashire and South Cumbria. Massive need. And is it something, is it a service that all women could access across the UK or is it specific to our local area? Um, so, the again, the long-term plan talks about these clinics and, and these services and they set them up in stages. So there was a phased approach to them gathering momentum, really. So we were in Lancashire South Cumbria, we were an early implementer pilot and that meant that we had funding initially for Blackpool, Files and Wire. And then we quite quickly got fast follower funding, which gave us the rest of Lancashire. And we decided to go for it just as one big service. And then other areas across the country, we were the first in the northwest to get the early implementer file. And Cheshire and Merseyside got Fast Follower, um, as did we. And then other areas across the country, 
have been popping up their services. So by March next year, they'll be up and running across the country. I like the fact that it's going to impact all women and what you're doing and pioneering in this area is going to have an impact on, on everyone everywhere because sometimes it can be a postcode lottery, can't it? Can it can be a postcode lottery and I think that was the decision we made around do we just go as an early implementer pilot or and then a fast follower. I think we decided really quickly that why should women in Lancashire South Cumbria get a service depending on where they lived. So we made that decision quite quickly that we would go for it as one big service, which has been really challenging. You know, you you look at Lancashire South Cumbria and you've got some areas of pure deprivation. You know, Blackpool being the most deprived town in the whole country. So you've got that level of deprivation and then you've got pure affluence in other parts of, of our geography. Um, and women that come into service come from all walks of life. You know, it, 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 birth trauma and loss doesn't choose who it's going to impact, does it? It, um, it can happen to anybody. So we've got... Of any age, of any, of any age, background, of any, background. any cultural, yeah. social, yeah, emotional, yeah, yeah. anybody. It can, and mental health can impact on anybody. And one thing um, that we also learned really quickly from when we did a consultation was that women still are impacted many years later. So it's not that perinatal period where, where women are particularly impacted. They can, they can be impacted still 10 years later. They can still be suffering from PTSD because of birth trauma and loss. So we've never put a time scale on it either. Again, in some areas they have done, but we made that decision following discussions with women that we weren't going to put a time scale on. So we do have um, a woman in the moment in our service who's, it was 10 years ago, her experience was 10 years ago, and she's now finally getting the support that she needs 10 years later. So without our service, she would never have had the right, the right specialist support in place for her. So it is really important. It's massively important and, you know, in terms of, you know, trauma, I mean, it could, I suppose for some women, it might not rear its head for them until maybe their children that they go on to have, maybe they have children, grandchildren, it could be literally anyone, any woman, couldn't it? It could, yeah. yeah. It, absolutely incredible and I know you're really passionate about it. I am it. really passionate about it. It, it um... I think every woman, every woman's got her own individual story. We all have our own individual stories, don't we? And our, all of our journeys are unique to us. So from the moment we are born, well, from the moment we are conceived, right through to the moment we die, no one's journey is like ours, you know? So actually, no one's birth story is like the next person's, is it? And actually what one person may see as traumatic, somebody else may not. And I think it also depends on what else is going on in your world and what your childhood's been like and what your family unit's like. So there's just so many factors that impact someone's mental health. So yeah, fabulous service with a fabulous team. And I must mention the fabulous team that sit alongside me because I can't, none of us, none of us can set a service up on our own. It takes, it takes a team to do that, doesn't it? And you'll know that yourself. Absolutely. And we talked about team, didn't we? in terms yeah. of school on the first podcast live yeah talking about how it's you know they don't teach you to work in a team at school they teach you do it by yourself which isn't the world that we live in you have to work in a team if you want to be successful and you know i think it also is really important that you know you choose the right team whether that's you know friends around you but you, you need to choose the right team that are going to help you and push you forward. And I think that's that's really important. 
And a team comes with different skills, doesn't it? None yeah. of us, you know, we all come with different knowledge, different experiences, different skills, different values. We so all like, learn differently. We do, we do, yeah. and we learn from each other, and it's really important. And so like you say, Liv, being at school and being around other people, you that you learn from those people, yeah. having conversations with them, discussions, challenging, yeah. the debates. That's where you learn. Yeah. You get different insights. So yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think you people bring so many different you know ideas and opinions that you want you don't necessarily have or you don't necessarily think in that way and you know that's why you need a team because you need the strengths of everybody if you as a person think you know you can do it by yourself and you've got everything figured out and you know everything then you're not going to get anywhere because it won't work because you don't know everything you need people around you who are going to help you and bring those strengths into what you're trying to achieve. I completely agree. And I think the other thing on that is that there's the weaknesses as well, isn't there? So actually yeah. you can you can grow your strengths, but actually once you understand your weaknesses, when you're working with other people, yeah. you can grow and work on those as well. Yeah. yeah. And you need to understand those, the weaknesses, and also your blind sides. Sometimes your team can pick up on your blind side. And I guess... Yeah. You know, that's the same on the netball court, isn't it? You know, you, yeah. you have, you're in different positions and you play to your strength, but you've got to pull together, and As which is why sport is so amazing, I guess. Yeah, and I think it was very interesting what you do, Mum, with your um, profiling when you're getting a new franchisee in and you have this. I mean, you can explain it, but the four categories of um, personality, which is really interesting, especially when I think people should be doing that at school. Go on, you explain it, because you know. Yeah, and we'll probably touch on it in a future podcast with with the lady that brought this into me. I won't say too much, but it's about um, knowing who you are and how you are perceived and and your style of of behaviour and how that can affect and be understood or misunderstood or valued or not valued by other team members. And I actually think that sometimes if that was done at school and you really started to understand yourself, and of course you always change... You develop and you change and you're slightly, but never far away from where you are naturally in your natural style. If you really understood yourself, then you'd probably choose slightly different career paths or career choices. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a friend of mine who messaged me this morning, actually, and she said, um, she said to me, she did the personality profile that I've got, and she said, I went into accountancy. Well, that was just so not the level of detail needed for accountancy and accounts and tasks. But she was all about people. Yeah. And actually now she's running a business. And yes, of course, elements of that accountancy skill are really important. But she's much better placed where she is as a founder of her business. And just think we should be empowering young people yeah, with these skills within school. We should. And from a young age. Yeah. We should be doing it from a young age. We shouldn't be thinking about when they start looking at careers and options and what do you want to be, and giving them a list of what they can be. I think if young people, children and young people knew, as you said, from early on, what the learning styles are, what the personality traits are, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, and work on that throughout the, this education, they would leave having a better understanding of what they wanted to do in the future. Yeah. I'm 52, nearly, and I still have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I think that, like, the grades at school definitely, so, like, now that I'm going in for 
applying for colleges and applying for sick forms they say look at you know look at the grades that you're highest in and maybe you know think about doing those further on I said yeah I might be really good at chemistry or whatever but do I enjoy it no so I, I won't do it so it, it's really not about you know if you're getting nines or eights or old style a stars and a's it's about what what you enjoy and what you want to do you know every every person is different and we all enjoy different things and you have to you know play to those strengths if you're going to be happy in life so that, i suppose that links really nicely into how you've ended up in this doing something that you're so passionate about mental health women building a service building a team of people underneath you how what's the journey from school for you to there okay so um school wasn't my favorite place to be um i enjoyed being around my friends i enjoyed talking um but the education system i didn't particularly enjoy and i don't think and it's interesting because when the very first podcast you did and Liv was talking about um school and um there should be other elements of learning so you know and, and traits and values um i didn't i didn't really do well i left school with no gcse's and went to burnley college and did my nursery nursing which you could do in those days you could walk into walk out of school with nothing but going to college which i suppose i was really lucky at that point in time um did my nursery nursing worked in social care so social services day nurseries and saw some really difficult things at that point in time and really saw how other people lived you know and where deprivation really impacted on families and on individuals um there was a day i remember when a little boy came in with cigarette burns up his arms and it didn't impact me anymore it didn't where i would previously have got upset it, i just i didn't and i thought i can't do this anymore this isn't right to not feel this way about witnessing that um because it was but, because it was common, it was... Yeah, because it just became normal. Oh, gosh. You know, it became normal that you saw that on a day-to-day basis or a child had been abused or they lived, they were neglected. You know, so you'd go to case conferences on a weekly basis talking about children and their families and their upbringings. And they're just... They were just, I had children of my own by that point. I had two small children and I just realised that I couldn't... I couldn't witness that and not feel impacted by it um and i'd had an altercation in my garden with three young people there'd been um some of the neighbors and i lived where i live there was quite a few elderly people and um there'd been some windows put through with little tiny stones you know when people were putting the, the pebbles on the drives and oh wow they'd been throwing stones at the windows and these three lads have been walking through where we lived and they were laughing about these windows. And I challenged them. Anyway, they challenged me back and they threatened to put a brick through my window. And um, my husband at the time threatened to kill him. So I was trying to keep him in the house and try and keep these young people off my garden, stopping them coming in to put a brick through my window. Anyway, they, they want, my next door neighbour must have seen what was going on and the police arrived and they all ran off. And they came back about an hour later. I thought, oh, here we go. Anyway, they came back to apologise 
So I ended up having probably a three hour conversation outside with them. And they were talking about how there was nothing to do and little understanding of what they, their needs were. And, you know, the parents didn't really give them support. And so we had, it was just a really, really enlightening conversation. And how long ago are we talking about here? How old? Oh, it must be, oh, what year? 2000, uh, 1998? No, it could have been that long ago. I can't remember, Jane. No, okay. I can't remember, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, my kids were only little at that point in time. And, um, yeah, it would have been 1998, so George would have been five, at uh, three. Anyway, so I thought long and hard about the, the conversation really played on my mind. And obviously I was going through what I was going through with nursery, thinking this isn't, I can't, be like this it's got to be impacting me more mm. and there was a job advertised at groundwork groundwork trust as a youth worker to go and be a youth worker but do your diploma in youth and community work at manchester university so i applied for it and i got the job brilliant it, it was i was just blown away by the fact that i was going to go and be a youth worker and i can remember going and working in darwin for the first time oh and the abuse i got from the young people was just horrendous and i thought what have i done this is the biggest mistake I've ever made of my life. And I hated it. I hated every moment of working with the most challenging, obnoxious teenagers. But the more time I gave them, and the, each time they effed and jeffed at me, and I went back, so they told me to do one, and I'd go back the following day, and they'd tell me to do one, and I'd go back the following day, and they'd tell me to do one, and I'd go back the following day. And then just suddenly, it was like a light bulb moment. She keeps coming back. We keep telling her to go, but she comes back. And I think it was just that that built up, we built the trust up of each other. And they realised that I was always going to come back. And I think because they've been let down so many times by the system, by the education system, by the criminal justice system, by the family units, they've been let down by the social care system. But I was never going to let them down. And I would always come back. Mm. And I think with that, it just... We just built brilliant relationships and so for 20 years I've worked with young people and I worked in the, within the criminal justice system and we kept young people out of prison and we worked really hard with families and I think one thing that was really important to me from seeing young children in nursery and now suddenly working with teenagers I couldn't work with young people in isolation. I had to work with that family unit. I had to work with the education system. I had to work with the criminal justice system and the police and it had to become a holistic offer and a whole system approach is how do you work with that individual but make sure everything else around them coordinates so that that person gets the right support that they need at the right time. So, yeah, we set up um, a project there called Reach Out. It won awards nationally and internationally. And that was my journey within the youth work um, world and I loved it. I love to have a lot of passion for young people and mental health because I see that if we don't work with young people and we don't put the right support and we don't do things at the right time for them in the timely manner, we're going to end up with dysfunctional young adults. Mm. You know, or Which young is a knock-on effect of course it is, in society, of course it is. in of course it is. in jobs, you in companies. In, day. Yeah. You will see it in school. Yeah. You'll see young people in school that aren't getting the right interventions at the right time. And they're desperately crying out for the attention. Yeah. But it's not... They'll do it because the only attention they get doesn't matter whether it's negative or positive. They're getting attention. And why? What's going on for them? And I'm guessing 
that the teachers won't be saying to the, those children and young people what's happening in your world, mm. what's no. going on. They'll be telling them off. They'll be telling them off. Yeah. And actually, I learned a really um, fabulous phrase listening to an inspirational speaker a few months ago, and she said, behaviour is communication. Of course. So it doesn't matter who that person is, how they're behaving is a form of communication. And that can be someone with special educational needs. It can be someone in a very vulnerable situation. It can be someone who's high flying. It it doesn't matter, but that behaviour is communication. It is. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, some people I do see at, at school or just around and, you know, it just looks like, you know, the the... The people who get on in class, who, you know, the teachers think, you know, the hard workers, they work hard. That's that's all good and they get praised. Oh, you're an amazing student. This is so amazing. But then look at the other students who, if they were just given more time and more support and it was more individual to them, they would thrive as much as everybody else. They just need a different approach to them. And... I think that's what school doesn't give, which is obviously why, you know, in your job being a youth worker, I think, you know, if that if that can be given at school, then there are less, you know, young adults that are going to need that extra support from, like, youth workers because they will have already been given it and given, like, what they need to go forward in their life. And it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I think probably teachers and schools want to do that desperately because they're caring they're there with their yeah. hearts and lots of other things as we know yeah. impact you know in terms of budgets and all of these different things but it is about the individual child and it is. It's about working asking with that them. question though isn't it it's just yeah. about saying i mean the first thing that i always say to alfie when he walks through the, the front door after school is how's your day been how's it been is there anything we need to talk about did you what did you learn what was challenging for you? And one of the questions he always asks me is, is how's your day been? It's important, isn't it? It's important just to know, are you okay? Is everything okay? You know, do you want to talk about anything? And I suppose if nobody ever asks you... No, if some, some children are going home been? and there's no one there. Or... Have you had your breakfast this morning? Is everything okay at home? You know, often, you know, you, the, the young people I used to work with, they would be carers of, of smaller children. So they would have to get the small children ready, breakfasted and do whatever, get them to school and then start their school day. And actually they might be 10 minutes late and they will get punished for being 10 minutes late. But you know what? They've got to school. Mm. Yeah. They're there. They've arrived. Don't punish them for being 10 minutes late if you don't know why they were 10 minutes late. My 16-year-old's 10 minutes late because he doesn't get out of bed till 5 to 8. <laughs> quarter past 8. He hasn't got to, you know, he's not done that. But for some children, they've had a really big... They've had a big day before they start. Yes. So, yeah, let's get cut a bit of slack. Yeah, absolutely interesting. Well, that brings us on very nicely to um, how we know you. Yep. And your wonderful youngest son. Yep. Who I adore. Absolutely adore him. I remember I was thinking back and thinking, how, when did I first come into contact with your son? But he went to primary school with Liv. He did. Um, I didn't know you for, for many years through that journey. You always match the young you know the young person with their parents and you'd be sort of spot faces but I didn't meet you for many years after you know um at school but he stood on the stage and in a uh, an assembly and he had the biggest loudest clearest most confident sounding voice 
And I actually don't think you were there on that day for what for whatever reason. And I was like, wow, wow, he's wow, what a, what a man, uh, what a little boy. Um, and obviously he's the same age what as well. Yeah, what a guy. That's that's the phrase. What a guy. I, I adore him. And then it was a few years, and you were friends with him at school, weren't yeah. you? And then as it got to the Christmas holidays one year, I don't know what year it was, but I was, uh, we lived quite close to primary school. Our school run was a walk. Yours was sometimes a walk. The school run was sometimes in the car if you had a meeting or whatever. But, and it was the day before the Christmas holidays and you were, there was this lady power walking past my (laughs) gate with her arms like this. And I opened the door and I said, oh, what are you doing? And um, you said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on annual leave now and I'm going to walk every single day through the holidays. I'm committed to getting my steps. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. And you said, join me tomorrow. And that was the start of our beautiful friendship, it wasn't really it? It really was, yeah. And we walked many, 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 many steps, didn't we? We sure mm-hmm. did. And we did walk every day. We did walk every day at the school holidays and we carried on. We did. We're a bit like Forrest Gump. <laughs> we were. <laughs> and we walked everywhere. We walked, you know, if it was dark, we'd walk where we there did. were street lights. If it was a lovely day, we'd walk, you know, more countryside. We did. And we just never stopped talking. We didn't. Um... We shared an equal passion for having an impact on young people, an impact on on people in general, and we took our children with us. We did. They didn't always like it, I don't think. They didn't always appreciate <laughs> being dragged around um, the walks. But Maybe not. <laughs> they probably put the, right, the world to rights, I'm guessing, did you? Yeah, we did. I mean, I just think it's amazing, you know, that that one interaction that you guys had and, and you know, it changed your life forever. And I think that it's kind of that thing of, you know, there's always an opportunity everywhere and that opportunity of you guys just going walking and it just came into something amazing. And yeah, it does happen for a reason. And Tracy asked a question, well, come and join me tomorrow. And I took that opportunity and said, yes. And that took us on a different trajectory. And do you know what, Jane? Those walks got us through some tough times at times, didn't they? We, both of us at different times had tough things going on and we talked about them and we walked through them and we problem solved and yeah and and I think that's the thing isn't it that you said before communication is really important and it doesn't matter who it's with but actually you can talk to one someone that's really close to you and talk through your problems you can generally come up with your solution yourself you just need yeah. that opportunity to talk it through yeah. you need you? to be asked a better question to do. find a better answer yeah I yeah. think that's why when you have you know, as a person, if you're listening to someone who is going through something or is, you know, you're trying to help them to solve a problem that they've got or a, a difficult situation in their life, like, don't tell them what to do. Ask them. Because then they they have to answer with... And you usually answer a question with what you want it to be, what you want the answer to be. So it's like, oh, I don't want to go on a run. And then I ask myself... Are you going to go on a run? And I want the answer to be yes. So I, so I say yes. I'd love to feel the same about that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but do you know, like, just in general, I think ask, you know, either ask someone else the question and say, you know, what, what are you going to do about it for you? Or stand back and ask yourself the question and you'll make the right answer for yourself because you'll know in yourself what you want the answer to be. You're absolutely right. Very true. Thanks. 
You are very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and and you taught me two things on those walks. We've taught three things that stick in my mind, but two on that walk. You taught me the phrase, it's not my story to tell, not my story to share. Yeah. So I felt like I was in a very safe space. Yeah. And what I told you never went any further and what you no. told me never went any further. And that was that was really special. And I think I think that anybody telling their story should never feel that they should say to somebody, please don't let this go further. Or, um, can I ask you not to tell anybody? You should never have to say that to somebody that you call to. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. You shouldn't, should you? No. My, your story is your story. You own that. I don't have any rights to take that story and put my slant on it and share it with anybody else because you, I would never tell the story in the same way that you would tell it. Mm. Because I would, there would always be a different slant in it, wouldn't it? So by the time and you're in a different state the, at that point, yeah, and and how you're yeah. feeling, etc. And that's where Chinese whispers, and yeah. you know that's where stories. If someone starts telling a story, that is somebody else's story. By the time it's been told ten times over, it's a different story. It's a different story, and yeah. you see that in so many walks of life, don't you? That the story becomes something yeah. else. So yeah, it's not my story to tell. So that's that rings in my head, and I use it a lot. Um, and then you also said, let's leave it on the walk. You know, so we we did leave it on the walk. And sometimes I might ring you even now because we don't live very close now to be able to do the daily walks. But I'll ring you and say, I'm out on a walk or you'll be out on a walk and we'll have this discussion and we'll say, and you'll say, just leave it on the walk, let it go, let it, you know, get it out there. And, it, and it's true. Um, so that was the second thing. And the third thing was, don't let anyone dull your sparkle. And I think that came... After we got to know each other over a couple of years, wasn't it? Yeah. And appreciate each other and appreciate our friendship. So those three things really, really stick in my mind. And on the um, don't let anyone ever dull your sparkle, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. We should never let anybody else dull our sparkle because we can do an incredible job of dulling your own sparkle. Yeah. And actually, we should. other people should, should shine our sparkle for us, shouldn't they? Other people, people yeah. that matter should be the ones that make us shine more than anything. And we should let other people shine as well. We should, we should. Yeah, and I think... And we should encourage people to shine, shouldn't we? Yeah, and I think you, you know, some... I I agree you have to do what's best for you, but in some situations, you do have to look at the people around you and think, you know, what's, what's best for this person, what, you know, focus on yourself, think, you know, what's best for me but also look around you and think you don't know what anyone else is going through in their life. So you have to, no matter how you're feeling in a day, if you've had the worst day ever, then whoever you're going to talk to, they don't know that and they don't deserve your, you know, your your anger to be put on them because they might have had a terrible day as well. I think you just have to treat everyone with, you know, the respect and the love and just everything that they need to... You don't want to dull their day. No. Nope. Even if your day's been dulled by somebody else. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. <laughs> so, um, coming back to the youth work then. So, you you did you had these award-winning, national award-winning programmes that you, you worked in with youth work, terribly passionate about young people. You had your own three boys, married, etc., and then, then what happened next to lead where, where you are today? Um, so the work that I did, I set up in Darwin, doing the youth work in Darwin, and then um, I was given the opportunity to set up projects across East Lancashire, um, which was just brilliant. And then the service 
took me over to Yorkshire and Hull. So I set up projects over in Yorkshire and Hull and established youth projects over there, which was just incredible and, and loved every moment of bringing people together. So bringing, coordinating um, other services because actually it's not about when you do youth work, like I said before, it was, it's not about you doing it on your own. It's about a whole army of organisations, isn't it? It takes an army of organisations to support one young person. It's not just a youth worker working in isolation. So just doing that and working with people and, and developing those partnerships and collaborations were just brilliant. Loved it. So it, it but young people were always at the heart of it. I never lost focus on who I was doing that work for. And then I took voluntary redundancy. Um, seemed the right time. I've been there for 19 years. So it seemed the right time to leave. And I think being in one organisation for 19 years, I think you become a bit institutionalised. Um, so then I went to work for a women's charity and set up some incredible projects there. One of them was working in Style Prison and just listening to the stories of those women who are in custody and often they've been sent into custody for shoplifting and they've been shoplifting to feed the children and you know and, and that I find really difficult because actually women are punished more in the criminal justice system than men would be so I found that really difficult but what I realised really quickly was that for those women coming back into the community they had to have the relationships there relationships are so blooming important in all of our lives aren't they and I think every time I think about the jobs that I've done they've all been based on relationships so for those women coming back into Lancashire and South Cumbria because again that was a, a Lancashire South Cumbria wide service we had to make sure that those relationships were there but they were never going to be there if my staff didn't go into prison so, so what we did we, we did something really unique and the staff that were out in the community went to work with the women in prison and built up relationships so that when they came out through the door because it was called and it was called um through the gate when they came out of the gate they, they, those relationships were there so they went back to the, the community knowing who they were going to see knowing they were going to see the probation worker but knew exactly who that person was and knowing that that person was going to put the services in place that they needed because they had those conversations when they were in custody about what was important to them did they have a home to go to where were the children who was the partner? What job did they have previously? What were the skills? What were strengths and weaknesses? What did education look like? Did they use substances? So all of that they knew about. So when they came out, everything was in place. And it was a much mm. more seamless, seamless transition. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's about people and humans. And I think it's there's like people in society that don't, you know, that people have an opinion on them, maybe to say, oh, they were put in prison, you know, that's a bad thing, and you don't get given the opportunities that, you know, everyone else have, because they deserve it, because, you know, they're a human, and everyone deserves the same opportunities, and I think it's just amazing that you've worked with those people and given them the opportunity that, that they deserve when they come out of, of prison. And I think if you put everything in place for them and they don't accept and take that on board, that's they're making a choice then, aren't they? You're, yeah. making, you're making an informed decision, an informed choice. And I think we you know, as long as we all have the information in front of us, we can make informed choices about yeah. our lives, can't we? Can either choose to go down one path or another. So yeah, that was um a fabulous opportunity for me. And then I had um an opportunity to go and work at the NHS. So I'll cover a maternity leave and as perinatal lead 
Um, so that was again around mental health and loved it. And then I was given the opportunity to um, be the project manager for the maternal mental health service, the reproductive trauma service, and then got the job as a service manager. So that's you know, now where I am. Yeah, I just think it's really fascinating because when you when you're at school, when I was at school, when you were at school, it was like we've touched on it before, you know, plumber, builder, police, you know, lawyer, beautician, hairdresser, really these jobs, but actually there's so much out there. There is. And you can pivot and you can change and you can go for opportunities and look at so many different roles and and find what makes you have a purpose and that you're passionate about it's possible yeah, isn't it of course it is and i think that um you, you, exactly it's that you've got to find what makes you tick because we spend so much time at work and actually if you're not happy at work then you're spending eight hours a day being miserable you know yeah. so people will be sat in jobs where they're unhappy and they'll complain and they'll moan and i just think go and do something else do yeah, something about that. Like, change your yeah. own life. Change it. Yeah, take control. But, yeah. but you've got to be brave. You have got to you've be got really to be brave. brave. And, and, and you, sometimes you've got to have someone that holds your hand yeah. and strokes your arm and says, we can do this with you. I can do, you know, we'll do it together. And if you haven't got that person, mm. that's it's hard, harder. It? It's hard. Yeah, very I hard. I mean, I, I, I remember asking you a question when I said, you know, you're always talking about how your job it doesn't feel like work because you love it so much I think you know you have to find something that when you wake up in the morning you're excited to to do something like I know I wake up in the morning and I'm not excited to go to school but (laughs) I don't don't know who is but that's not a choice but I think it's a means to an end yeah and I think when (laughs) it's a chapter it's just a chapter and then I think well when you have when you you know have that independence of like having left school then that is then up to you how you wake up every day and think, you know, I now get to choose how I want my life to be and that's only you that can make those decisions for yourself. And the world's a small place these days. Yeah. You know, with the the world's your oyster as well, isn't it? Particularly when you're younger and you've no, no commitments to anything particularly, and actually just go and explore it. Go and work. Yeah. And it is interesting. I can remember once, and I would love to be able to do this. I remember once reading an article about a man who had asked for 365 job opportunities. I think it was in the Lancashire Evening Telegraph. And he wanted to try. I didn't have a clue what he wanted to do. So he was asking for companies to give him a day's work for a day's pay, doing something different every single day. So we never went back to the same job. But just imagine that. that just imagine amazing. being yeah. able to, to tomorrow. Just experience. Today I'm going to go and work in a butcher's, and tomorrow I'm going to go and work as in a mental health service. Yeah. And the day after I'm going to go and work. How amazing would that be? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. So for young people, I, I always have said that I would love to be able to set that up, and unfortunately I left. So any youth workers out there or schools that are listening that think, what can we do? Please do that. I would have called it the 365 Project. And oh. just, just that opportunity yeah. to do something. Can yeah. you imagine that? Yeah, it's, it would be amazing. I mean, I just think, you know, young people now, I think when you say, you know, you have to be brave to make those decisions and choose your life, 
there's so many things now that are ingrained in children's head that they're scared of you know because it's a big wide world and you know there's you have to get a mortgage you have to get a car you have to do all this you have to do everything and there's so many expectations that then children are scared to actually try or do something that they want to do because yeah. they feel like they have to fit in this box that they're told that they have to be in and I think you know that's why you, you have to teach children you know you have to be brave and you have to do it like for yourself and you know go outside the box like who, who cares it's, it's your you life you do yeah, what you explore, want with it explore, explore. explore. and I think that was why this podcast means so much to us because and obviously it touched you as well um just to discuss discuss people's careers and the vast amount of amazing people in the world with fabulous you know jobs careers or if they've decided to be whatever they've decided to be let's just have those conversations that it's not just what you think you have to go yeah. go and do and um so I guess that leads me on to the next question which is a teacher or a mentor who's been an influencing factor within your journey and I'm sure there's been many but just the one that springs to mind um I think probably when I was at Burnley College and I was doing my nursery nursing and I'd, I was still very much in that um school mentality you know and actually you, you go from school to college and you you've got to start taking your own responsibilities suddenly and I can remember that my mentality hadn't really changed and it was um a tutor called Mrs Pickles at Burnley College on the nursery nursing course and she pulled me to one side and she said, Tracy, this is your life. You know, you've got to take some responsibility for it and really you need to grow up. <laughs> and it was that blunt really to me that you either grow up or you get out. And it, I, I had my light bulb moment at that point in time, I think, and thought, I've got to grow up. I don't want to be thrown out. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so I think she was just... Someone that, that made me realise I had to turn a corner and I had to take a different path. And I did. Yeah. And I am eternally grateful to her for pulling me to one side and just having that conversation because I don't think... I think I probably would have got thrown off the course. <laughs> but and I, I know if my, if my mum is listening, I know she probably will listen to this podcast, there, will be many, there were many tears and tantrums along the way from me and my mum as I was growing up because I just didn't want to conform. Yeah, and, and fit into the yeah. into the box. Yeah. Um, but teachers are so teachers, mentors, they're so influential on our lives. And you do remember those that have made a difference. I know Olivia's talked about hers in a previous yeah. episode, and um, and I spoke about mine. You've you've shared yours, but you know there are some. Surround yourself with those right people. Listen to the right things, and you. But yeah, sometimes be that's hard because. Sometimes, you know, you get, you, you, there's so much information now from so many different, you know, platforms, social media, people with all these different opinions. Sometimes it's hard to know, you know, what is right and, and what is wrong and what should, you know, I follow, what should I do? I think at the end of the day, you know, block out all the noise and think, you know, what is it that I want to do? I, d I don't need to listen to anybody else. You know, I'm listening to the, to the people that, you know, matter and want the best for me. And those are the people that you have to listen to. And Tracy's helped you with a couple of situations in the past, hasn't she? Yeah. Even though we don't <laughs> live close anymore. What's the one thing that sticks in your mind about Tracy's influence? Definitely. Um, when um, you're in a relationship which is very unhealthy and toxic and um, he just left 
and I was I was really upset because you know that that was kind of like the first stepdad that I'd had and you know he, he'd left and I felt very like alone and I remember we were on a walk and Tracy asked me and she said what what do you miss about him what value did he bring to your life and I, I carried on walking for a bit and I thought nothing he, he there's no value that he brought to my life and you know by her asking that that one question it made me let go of something that I probably would have held on to a, a very long time and it probably would have that that emotion that I felt probably would have made a lot of decisions for me and I probably would have been more in like that victim mindset of oh you know someone else has left like like what's the point but by Tracy asking that one question it really made me let that go and think you know that happened for a reason it wasn't good for anybody in 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 our life and it, it was a good thing that that it ended when it did that's what you remember that's what you've took yeah. hold of and remember Tracy and I probably under, remember a different question but that's what yeah. That's how it's processed for live. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we were talking about what percentage of the. T- I think we'd we'd that got was yeah. it. we'd got down to, and it was about the value. I think that yeah. was the final question. Actually, I think what I was ask. I remember asking you was what percentage of the time was good, and what percentage of the time wasn't. And I think the percentage of the time that was good was really minimal. Yeah. And the percentage of the time that was was tough was really big, and it wasn't until we started looking at the how the percentage and going into the minute detail of it that you realised that there was no value. Yeah, I think I said one thing. I said, it makes me laugh. Yeah. You're funny. And yeah. that was it. That's all I said. Yeah. And then and then it was the percentage of the time in the week that you spent. So what was the percentage yeah, of the time yeah. that you were laughing within that? It was really broken down, wasn't it? It, it was. lasted a whole it couple did. of miles of it walking. Did. It did, but it, it is about... when you, it, And it's interesting, isn't it? Because when somebody asks us a question, we look at it from... A big picture. We look at it, the the big picture, and, and actually, how's your day been? Oh, it's been okay. But actually, you might have had a really tough morning, and it's all in the fact that you've had an okay afternoon or an okay evening. That the rest, it's okay. But actually, it could have been tough. And there's twenty four hours in a day, isn't there? Yeah. So when we asked that, when I slid that question, it's it's really chunking it down, isn't it? It's really getting down yeah. to the minute detail. So that you can you can have a moment of reflection mm. and think about it, and then think, well, actually, no. And then the perspective yeah. comes. Yeah, I think that's what Pete. You know, if you are going through, you know, like a tough situation, I think it's important that you really do break it down because that's the only way that you know you're gonna see the change that needs to be made. If you look at it from like you were saying, like a big picture or look at it over a period of time, you know, in, in that time you're in, you know, a specific emotional state and that's going to change, but you need to, you know, really pick it apart to, you know, find out how you're truly feeling and then you can make that, that decision. And I think it helps, and I'm going to be coming to the end now um, of this, but it helps if you ask questions with what, where, how, who... All those W questions, doesn't it? You know, even like you said, when your son comes home from school and you say, how was your day? You don't ask the question, did you have a good day today? Because then you'll get a yes or a no, yes answer, or no answer, 
Whereas if you ask a what, who, how, yeah. when, you'll get a broader, which you can yeah. then ask a further question from. And the other thing is asking people a direct question. Yeah. You know, don't just fluff around it. Because actually, you're more likely to get an honest answer back if you're asking a direct question. Mm. You know, you, you're not going to get an honest answer back if you're going to ask a, around the, a fluffy, yeah, yes or no question. Around the houses, yeah. So as we finish all of our podcasts, and it's going to be something, a memory from your school run. I know you had a really happy, happy, happy childhood. I did. I did. I had an incredible childhood. And I, I love your mum so much. I, I, I do too. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I adore my mum. I think for me, a bit like you and Liv, that my mum would drop us off, before she went to, to work, my mum would drop us off at school and she would drop us at the same primary school as our children went to. Um, and me and my mum and my sister just talked about all sorts of girly things and we still continue to talk about all sorts of girly things. And I can't remember a specific, I can't, I can't say to you, this is a specific memory I have. But I just remember being in the car with my mum and yeah, I... Yeah, I think any time that you get to spend with your parents and your mum is just incredible because actually you can talk side by... Talking side by side in the car is so much easier than talking face to face. Yeah. Mm. So you're not looking at somebody, you're side by side, aren't you? So actually you can talk about all sorts of things and car journeys are incredible for that. So I can't, I'm sorry, really sorry, I cannot remember one specific example. But I think what you're highlighting is it's that time, it isn't is it? Time. So as a child cherish that school run yeah. cherish that time yeah. yeah and as a parent cherish that time exactly and the other way and yeah. i do remember my school run with my mum my dad in the car i love my school run with Liv, but we need to really cherish it because it's special i think for me when someone says to me what would you like as a gift i will always say time mm-hmm. you know it is the most important thing you can give somebody is someone's time and on mm. that note we will um end here. We will end here. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining Thank you us. Me. I love spending time with you both as you know. I know. Oh, we we love do you too. too. We do too. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode.